0: Acts chapter 19, Um, we're going to spend two weeks um, in this chapter. In it, you'll see a fight break out, and then next week you'll see a riot. So this is a happening chapter, uh, but in it, it's something that I wish and hope and pray for the city of Covington. Because you see, the city of Ephesus was changing. It was being transformed through the power of the Word of God, and the cool part about it is the same thing that changed Ephesus nearly 2,000 years ago will be the same thing that changes Covington today. And So I want to ask people um, what do you think Covington needs and it's amazing on the answers that you get. Right? Well, what are some things that you need to see happening in Covington to change the city? So if you've ever asked anybody that you'll get many different answers. Working at Holmes High School, um, one of our, our super, assistant superintendents says that education would change our city better education if we had a uh, curriculum that went from elementary to middle to high school uh, that would change our schools and if we can graduate it and, and so he's holding up education as the thing that would determine our students future other people would put if they just do something downtown build jobs build a revenue to come into Covington to, to revamp and renew the city you look at Newport, and you have Newport on the aquarium, and everything that they're doing. Then you look over across the street at Cincinnati, across the river. In Cincinnati, you've got the banks and the restaurants and the ballparks. And then you look downtown Covington, and we have <laughs> a blue spiral building. Can't get into it, right? So you, you just need some something to come in, maybe in the IRS building, uh, something cool that would draw people. You have all this stuff, all these recommendations, and I'm here to tell you, I love this. I'm I'm tired of opinions. I want to get to the Word, and what we see here is God gives us, hey, you want to change the city of Covington? Here it is. And here's the cool part. This has changed cities throughout history. It's changing cities today, and it'll change cities in the future, and it is the power of the Word of God. So I want us to, as we go through this, I want us to ask two questions. Number one. How will I know the Word of God is increasing, prevailing, or working in my life? How will I know the Word of God is increasing, working, prevailing in my life? Right, so before we got to worry about the city need to worry about ourselves. And so I'm asking myself this question. Is the Word of God increasing in my life? Is it, is it prevailing in this area of my life, in my finances, and in my marriage, and in my home, and in my work? Um, I want the Word of God to prevail in every area of my life. And so that's the first question we're going to try to ask. And that's a personal question. Only you can answer that. Is the Word of God prevailing in my life? And then we'll ask the second question. How will we know if the Word of God is increasing, prevailing, or working in my city? And I think if we asked the people in this room, I think it would be a unanimous vote. Do we think the Word of God is prevailing in the city of Covington? Right now, the power's there. The Word of God is effective. It will do exactly what God said it would do. That's not the problem. So we're going to look at the word of God prevailing in our lives and then the lives of our cities. And then I just wanted to give a a side note. Um, If you don't have a Bible, you can have one. So these uh, are are the copies that are, if you need uh, bigger print, this is the Bible for you. Right. So it it is easier to read. Big words. Um, Now, listen, I, I didn't say it was cool. Right, the hardback, maroon color, not very cool, um, but, man, very effective. So if you need something to read and study and highlight and mark and memorize, go with the red. Now, if you have a better eyesight, go with the green. Right, so this is an FCA Bible, and what does that mean? Um, You still have the 66 books that make up the Bible, but you also have all of this for, like, uh, sports-interested people. That's, like, devotionals and things uh, topically that you can read. So you have the Bible in the first part and then more here. Now, it is smaller print, right? So either you better have good eyesight or you better have good glasses or contacts. But those that are sitting on the back table, if you don't have a Bible, take one of those, read it. You've got to be in the Word if the Word of God will be prevailing in your life. All right? I'm going to pray and then we're going to read. All right? Let's get to work. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you open up hearts and minds. I pray that your spirit moves. I pray that you transform us today so we're not the same as when we came into this building. I pray you move in a powerful way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, number one. The word of God prevails as people speak and hear the word. And so we're going to start in verse 8. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. It's talking about Paul. And he entered the synagogue. Right, The, the religion would be like a church building for the Jews. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some become stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, right, speaking evil of the church, before the congregation he withdrew from them and took his boys, took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Right? Tyrannus is um, the, the urban megacenter of Ephesus. We don't have something like that in Covington, right? It's where people would go to do business. It would be where people would go to shop. It's where people went to be entertained. It was a one-stop shopping for all of Ephesus, and, and Paul knew it. And so he goes to this place day in and day out for two years. It would be like us going to Kroger and then downtown through the business district and then into all of our schools to do what Paul is doing here. All right, so he goes to this Hall of Tyrannus for two years. Verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, when you see this, I'm I'm thinking, so what did he do for two years? Two years, day in and day out, he is teaching people about Christ. I think that's interesting. How long would it take for us to fill up Covington? So we could say all the residents of Covington have heard the gospel. I don't know if at the pace we're going right now, if we would be able to say that in our lifetime. And so I want us to see this, and I want us to ask for God to move in a way in Redemption Church today, October 20th, 2019, so that we are moved to do something very specific. Because at most we have 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And the city's not getting better, it's getting worse. And yet here we see the Word of God is able to transform people, families, neighborhoods, cities. So, let's see, what did Paul have here? Number one, he was bold. Look at verse 8, synagogue three months spoke boldly. Now, I want to be careful here, because whenever I say speak boldly, this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of some people will think, well, I just need to speak my mind. I don't mean that. That is not the boldness I'm talking about, right? Just because you think it, maybe or maybe not you should say it, right? Some of us have the opposite problem with this. When I talk about boldness, I'm talking about boldness to say what is right in the word at the right moment. So, in our city, people will say, this is how gender is defined. This is how sexual orientation is defined. This is how power is defined. This is how money is defined. This is how your hobbies are defined. And what we need to do is say, no, this is what the Word of God says, and this is how it applies to our situation. So the Word of God should be informing your study habits, should be informing your dating habits, should be informing our marriages, should be informing how we raise our kids, should be informing how we worship on Sundays, should be informing every area of our life that's how powerful the word of God is and it will take boldness do you guys think we would be ridiculed at Holmes high school for saying no. hey this is what Jesus calls us to do I'm not doing this I'm not following you here this is what Jesus calls. do you think that would take boldness Mary do you think you'd get ripped at Holmes high school to say hey man I'm not listening to that music anymore I'm listening to this music that lifts up you wouldn't you think other people would I think so Right? I, man, Coach Tucker was ripped going down to Daytona by some of you guys because of the music he was listening to. Right? It's easy to look at Paul standing up and speaking, getting kicked out of places for speaking about, and then us. And so for, for us, it's boldness not to be locked up or thrown in jail, although I think that day's coming. But it's boldness to go against the current, to go against the tide. Now, I will say this it's easier. To stand against the tide when someone else is already up. So this is what I mean. Phil, stand up real quick. right? right. Let's pretend we're at Daytona, right? You're facing this way. The beach is behind us, right? There's a bunch of sand behind us, and there's this huge wave coming. Now, I could stand next to Phil, and both of us get smacked with this wave. But for me, a safer spot would be right here. All right. Hey, Phil, I got your back. You just stand. So he's going to eat that wave. It's going to separate, and then it ain't going to touch me. Right? All right, thank you. You can sit down. The point is, when someone stands up and says, Hey, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to walk with Jesus here, whether it be your workplace or your family or your neighborhood or your school, it makes it easier for the next guy to say, You know what? I'm with him. I'm following Jesus too. And all of a sudden, boldness is contagious. And now, there's also a way to get it. They were talking about Peter, how he was filled with the Spirit. And then the leaders, after beating him and putting him on trial, said, hey, this guy's an uneducated dude, but he speaks with boldness. Why? Because the Spirit was working in his life. As a matter of fact, that's what the early church prayed for. Think about this. Half of us get arrested. We get beaten for sharing Jesus. And then they get released and they come back here. What do you think we would pray for? Right? We'll pick on this group closest to the door. Since when the the police come in, they take in you because we all running out this way. All right, so you guys all go. You're arrested. They say, hey, quit talking about Jesus. They get a beating, and then they're released, and they come back. We don't let them in at first because we're afraid it's the police again. We finally say, oh, George, come on back in. We open up the door. They come back in. What do you think we pray for? Probably safety. Forgiveness, understanding, wisdom. Be thankful that they were released. You wonder know what the church prayed for? Boldness. Hey, we don't care what happens to us. We're not stopping what we're doing. Hey, that's some guts. That's what some spiritual guts. That's what we need to be praying for. All right. So speak the word with boldly because we know the word prevails when people speak and hear the word. And number two, do you persuade people to follow Jesus? Do you persuade people? to follow? Uh, In uh, 2 Corinthians 520, um, Paul's saying, hey, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're imploring people to follow Jesus. We're going after people. We're persuading people that Jesus is better. And I I know uh, I have the benefit of working at at Holmes High School. I see a lot of things that our students think are better than Jesus. And it's in your workplaces too. A lot of people would say a pay raise is better than Jesus. Or an inappropriate relationship is better than Jesus. Or (laughs) drugs that we're going after gives us more joy than Jesus. And what we see... Again and again is Paul going to the idols of the city, in which in Ephesus, some weird stuff, they had these magic books. And they're following magicians, casting spells. Like I it's a crazy city. It's a messed up city. You're, you're going to see why there's a riot next week. Paul goes in and says, hey, what you're doing, there's nothing there. And he's persuading people, hey, stop doing that. Follow Jesus. The joy, the peace, the love that you're seeking is found in Jesus, not that junk. So he's persuading people. My question to you is, when's the last time you persuaded somebody to follow Jesus? And maybe you're sitting here, you're not persuaded that Jesus is worth following today. That's what we're going to get to the bottom of. And then thirdly, so boldness and persuasion. Do you work hard intentionally sharing Jesus with others for two years, day in and day out? Now, Paul, that's not his main job. His main job is building tents. And so he's working in the morning, working at night, building tents for people to survive. And in the meantime, day in and day out, he's going to this urban center sharing Jesus daily. When's the last time you spoke the word of Christ? You shared the gospel with somebody. And then when's the last time you heard the gospel? So I hope my prayer for you and for me is that we start each morning with the Word. And it could be on your drive in to work, could be on the tank bus with the, the iPod, um, it could be a podcast, it could be um, you getting alone in the Bible and not eating breakfast because you're going to spend that time uh, reading about who Jesus is and what He has done to prepare your mind for the day. Could be your lunch break, could be your drive back home, could be before practice, right after practice could be at night right before you go to bed. Uh, One guy said it's great, and the challenge is to start and end each day with Jesus on your mind. That is a good goal. That is a good goal. And and so I I see this, and it reminds me of a family member I got. Last night, my sister went to a ceremony for her husband, Bill DeGrezio. And Bill, just to give you a little background on Bill, um, he inspired my youngest daughter's Halloween costume this year. Camden is going around for Halloween dressed as a nerd, right? She has the glasses, the suspenders, the pocket protectors. I mean, it's it's fantastic. But she was inspired by her uncle, Bill. Now, I used to be able to make fun of Bill. I don't anymore. Because the ceremony they went to last night was for his fourth degree black belt in karate. Yeah. So I used to, with my younger brothers harass Bill. He had nothing to offer. He was uncoordinated. He wasn't that big. So we pick on him because he's dating our sister. That's what you do. Now, all of a sudden, he's able to put his right foot up next to my chin. I don't say a word to him. As a matter of fact, we're going to edit this out of our podcast because he's not going to hear this. What changed, what transformed Bill's life? It was going week in and week out to a karate instructor. And listen, I don't know if they call him sensei or master Miyagi. I don't know. I I used to make fun of him. I don't anymore. But they go into the karate and he's learning different katas and different punches and different kicks. And man, I just thought, man, you're a grown man. That's silly. Now I think it's dangerous. Right? And so over and over, time in and time out, this transformed his life. Pretty powerful stuff. But that's nothing compared to the power of the Word of God. If one guy going to a dojo, which is down here in Covington, week in and week out, can make that much of a change, that much of a transformation in one guy, how much more can the Word of God transform your life and my life in this city? But you got to be in it day in and day out, week in and week out, and over the years watch how God changes your life this word is powerful. If you knew how powerful it was, you would not shrug your shoulders at the Bible. You would also share it with others. So when I passed streets and I saw, I'm not going to name any names, I I saw a guy that I know is dealing drugs and I'm driving by and I see the house and I know his hope is based on making enough money and and the, the drug trafficking in Covington, and I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing something powerful is going to have to come in and draw him out of that life and give him hope. Right? And I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a better reading teacher at Holmes High School, because that's too late. And I'll tell you what it's not. It's not urban development and more jobs downtown, although that's not bad, but that's not going to change his life. But you want to know what has the power to transform his life? The gospel. The fact that God came near that he died for his sin, that he could have new life in Christ, that there's no condemnation now for him in Jesus, that's power. That's something you don't just shrug your shoulders at. So we'll know the Word of God is prevailing when we hear and when we share the Word of God. And then that leads us to the second thing, the Word of God prevails as Jesus is held high. Now this is where the story takes a turn. Verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. That's one example. You have Paul and the aprons and handkerchiefs that touched his skin able to heal people. And then you have the other group. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. Listen, I don't know how you get into that line of work. But what these guys are doing are going around towns looking for demon-possessed people so they can try to cast a spell on them to get the demon out. That's a crazy job. They undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Right. So they see the power of Paul. they like, oh, I want some of that. And so they go to these evil spirits and say, hey, in the name of Jesus, Paul proclaims, come on out. So the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? I don't know about you. That's when I leave the building. That's when I realize, you know what, I've said something I probably shouldn't have said I need to leave. So I want you to see this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stand up. Come on up here. Tracy, can you be an exorcist, an itinerant Jewish exorcist, too? Come on. Hey, we know you're not going to win the fight, so get in this group, man. All right, so we have that. Let's see, who else I need? Um, I needed somebody to be Paul. Who wants to be Paul? Not everybody at once. All right, Donovan, come on up. You be Paul. Stand over here. (laughs) Do I have any volunteers that would be the demon-possessed man? Anybody? Thank you, Miss Vicki. I love it. All right, so here we go. All right. Vicki, chill out right there. Vicki's had a rough week. Uh, she is now demon Hey, now, listen, we laugh, but there is a spiritual reality that these things are scary and dark. Um, and, and so I don't want to make this too light, but I want you to see the power of God compared to everything else the world offers. All right, so Paul, right? Paul here is going around day in and day out telling people about Jesus, right? I'm walking by Paul, I can't get to him because there's so much of a crowd. I don't wear an apron, but I got a hooded sweatshirt. All I know is if I hit him with this, he touched it. And now, I go to someone that is demon possessed, it touches her, that demon's gone, she's healed. That's the power that these seven sons of Sceva saw and thought they could use for their own benefit. Right? That's all it took. Paul, touching a piece of cloth, taking that piece of cloth, to somebody who is sick, and they are healed. God is doing an extraordinary, this is not normal, right? This isn't a prescription that the church should use now. Pray over, Claus, and no, this is an extraordinary act of God showing, hey, Paul has power, and you need to listen to his message, right? So that's what happened. So these seven exorcists saw it, and they tried to use it for their own benefit. So these seven guys show up. And they get to Vicki, and they say, hey, Vicki, we know you're having some trouble. And they say, Vicki, evil spirit, come on out. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If this is a fight, who wins? Easily. Every time. Right? I want you to hear what happens. Vicki, you don't have to act this out. (laughs) Don't take off any of your clothing. (laughs) You're going to hear why. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? The man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them, so Vicky jumping on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. They didn't get beat up a little bit. They got beat up a lot of bit. Right? I want you to get this, seven dudes to one, and it was no match. Compared to Paul, a piece of cloth touching him, brought to him, done. That's the type of power we're talking about. All right, grab a seat. Thank you, Miss Vicky. Thank you, Donovan. I was uh, looking at this, and uh, Matt Chandler was a guy that commented on this. You know how sometimes you don't know who wins a fight? Like, ah, oh, well, he got in a good shot, and he landed this, and uh, even in professional fighting, there are uh, split decisions where they can't decide who won the fight. Uh, Chandler goes, hey, if you go into into the fight with pants on and you leave the fight no longer wearing pants, you know you lost that fight, right? This is pretty clear. Now, why do you think this happened? This is a weird thing for Luke to put into the Bible. Why do you think God has given this to his church today? Listen to why this happened. Verse 17, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear... Fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. The name of Jesus was held high. It was honored. It's not something you mess with. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road today. I think some of us are playing games with our relationship to Jesus. We'll use Jesus for our benefit, like the exorcists, but we don't know him. You see, when you come to Jesus, it's all or nothing. Um, I'm not picking on anybody in the room, but some people are trying to bring back uh, the fad of the fanny pack, right? You can tie it it around your shoulder and around your stomach, or you can tie it around your waist. It doesn't make it cool either way. But when you put that thing on, it's an accessory, right? You're adding to, some of us are treating Jesus like an accessory. I'll put Jesus on on Sunday. But I'm not worried about it on Monday through Saturday. The problem is that's what these guys—we'll call them the Streakers—that's what the Streakers tried to do, and it didn't go well. It actually cost them. And so I want you to see if you're more like Paul or more like the Streakers. Um, Paul in Galatians 2:20 says, "I no longer live; it is Christ who lives in me." Right? He's saying I'm dead. The life I now live, I live by Christ. Compared to the streakers who said, hey, this cool saying about uh, coming out in the name of Jesus that Paul uses, I'll use that. Do you see how they're using Jesus for their own good? So what would that look like today? FCA, if you guys remember, as a matter of fact, I think some of you guys told me, hey, man, watch out, because when you have donuts, students are coming for the donuts. They don't give a rip about Jesus. Yes, I know that. Because there's always people like the exorcists, They're trying to use Jesus for their own gain. Right? A lot of times people show up to church to be entertained or to get something out of it. But if you're not showing up to worship Jesus, we're more like the exorcist than we are Paul. Uh, Paul puts it this way, and this is pretty clear. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for His sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. That's the call. And Paul's not the exception. When you come to Christ, you're laying your life down and you're trusting him. So a couple questions. Is Jesus held in honor? And this is what I want you guys to hear. Is Jesus held in honor in your marriage? So husbands and wives, is Jesus held an honor in your marriage? How, what does that look like? Does the husband, do we serve our wives? Do We put her needs above our own. Do we love her like Christ loved the church? Do we date for the single guys and the single ladies? Do you date in such a way that Jesus is held high? Your ultimate aim is not your own self-satisfaction, but that Jesus is honored. You see, when you see something like this happen in Ephesus, there's this fear and there's this a highly esteeming of Jesus where your life is remarkably different. To where your goal now in dating and in marriage is to lift Jesus high. How about work? Your greatest goal in how you work is to lift Jesus high. That's how you know the Word of God is prevailing in your life. How about in your hobbies? How about in your speech? How about on social media? Do I lift Jesus high in every area of my life? Right? Now, this is convicting. This is convicting for me. Because we could call in people and are like, hey, Ben, I don't see Jesus here. Right? Which leads us to this third point. When the word of God is prevailing, sin will be confessed and turned from. I love this result. This is where you and I get to react to the powerful word of God. Check this out. Verse 18. Also, many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. Now, I want you to get this. Many who were already believers, they knew Jesus, but they were still hanging on to something. They were still hanging on to some sin that we would think, man, that's kind of crazy. Why are you holding on to that? Well, they would say the same thing of us. We have some things that we need to bring and and divulge, right? And and so confessing and divulging, verse 19, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. That's some deep change. When they're burning their books, that's something very valuable that could have been sold and provided for their families. But they're saying, I don't want anybody to touch this. This is wrong. This is not most important in my life. I'm following Jesus. This is a radical transformation. And they counted the value of them and they found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That is thousands and thousands of dollars. Verse 20, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, this is where I I want us to, to sit just for a second. When you read this, I am willing to bet that nobody in the room will bring a magic book next week to burn. I don't think. There might be. But that's not really our issue, is it? Magic and potions and sayings, and that's not where we're But you know what? We have idols too. Some of our idols is power. And it could be power coming from your job. It could be power coming from your position. It could be power coming from the influence you have in some people's lives. It could be physical power, how strong you get. Right? You're able to bully other students. And so that power is what you crave. It could be your comfort. Right? Your hope in life is to get the right vacation or the right car or the right wife or the right husband. And if you get that, You're happy, but if not, you're going to keep seeking and serving that idol. Listen, Satan is real. And there's so many idols in our city, and we're going to talk more about this next week. But we might not have magic books, but we're all tempted to go after other things other than Jesus to hold high in our lives. It could be athletic achievement. This is something that if you guys aren't fighting, you're losing. Your stats don't mean anything compared to who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And one way you guys can know this, and this is something I had to deal with. As a senior, if I scored a lot of points and our team won, I was happy, right? And that's okay, we should celebrate, right? We just clinched a home playoff game. But the day after my knee was injured, my senior year, football season, we're playing a rival, we're having a good game, We're beating them. I'm loving it. I just crushed the quarterback. I'm getting back into the huddle. What are we going to do now? Bam. Knee snaps. That night, in the word, God confirmed that everything's going to be all right. Ben, your hope's not on some game. With some guys carrying a ball up and down a field, getting into something called an incident. How silly to place that much importance on a game. That's something I had to learn. And man, I love Jesus, but man, I had to burn that thing. I'm never going back to it. Some of you have some things, not literally, maybe literally, that you need to burn. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Growing up, there was a high school student that I looked up to, um, and his dad actually, by accident, had this huge collection of pornographic magazines. And he said, man, ever since I was young, I, I snuck in and I saw these things. And uh, our guy, our, one of our pastors at the church says, hey, man, you need to bring those in. We need to get rid of them. We're going to throw these away. He's like, man, it's a huge collection. It's pretty valuable. He's like, which one are you going to choose? Jesus or the money you could get out of this? It's like, deal. Brought in two garbage bags full of it. They go, and they throw it in the dumpster. Gone. you got to get rid of it. I had another guy. And this one, like TV, like that's not a big deal. And he goes, my problem is I turn on the TV, and then before I know it, a half hour, an hour, two hours, it's gone. And I haven't heard the Word. I haven't been in it. I haven't prayed for anybody. I just sat there. I saw this show, and then the next show coming. I saw that show. So he, now listen, this is a little bit more extreme, but maybe it's not. He got rid of every TV in his house. His kids couldn't wait to get out of his house. Just to watch TV. Right? But he said, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm burning the books. Some of you guys have books you need to burn. If whatever you're into doesn't lift Jesus high, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And listen, looking in the room, there's so many things that are going to be competing for your affections. It's going to be dead end after dead end after. You might not get beat up and clothes torn off, but you'll be just as desperate and just as broken as those guys. When the word of God is offered and will transform your life. Here's the cool part. God comes in and he changes your affections. Right. In Psalm, uh, I think it's chapter 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Right. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then what? What's the promise? Delight yourself in the Lord, and then He will give you the desires of your heart. The awesome part, the powerful work of the Word of God is that He changes our desires. That needs to happen. When I I walk through the halls, I'm hearing language that isn't lifting up Jesus. I hear music that is lifting up the idols in our city, but it has nothing to do or say about who Jesus is and what He has done. There's going to have to be something powerful coming and changing the affections of our young men and our young women, of our old men and our old women, if we're going to see this city transformed. And here's the cool part. What has changed Ephesus will also change Covington. And it's the power of the Word of God. So, in closing, I'm going to pray. And then as a church, we've got five verses from Psalms that we're going to read, think about, And then go on our way. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we see it move in a powerful way. I pray that we hear and that we share the gospel throughout the week, day in and day out. I pray that we're bold and that we're persuading people to follow after you. Father, I pray that we hold Jesus high in every area of our life. I pray you convict us of our sin, but then also uh, that we can have new life in you. And so I pray for the courage that we need to bring stuff to the altar and lay it down, never going back to it, because we see Jesus as greater. And so, Lord, like in Ephesus, I pray that you move in a mighty way in me, in our church, and in our city. I pray that the word increases and that it prevails mighty in and in which where we live and work, where our families are, where our schools are, where we go in and out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.